This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm in sunnier climes today. I'm in Singapore with Samuel, and finally, Hi. we've got an excuse to wear our shorts. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's very, very hot. It's, you hear the sirens going off. There's a lot of... It's a very, very pleasant place we are, isn't it? Singapore, it's very sunny. Lots of, uh, as you can hear, lots of sort of industry and stuff going about, but also lots of trees. Yes, it's, it's, it's quite... I, I don't know whether it's scenic. I've not seen enough of it already. I think was, as we were driving in, um, it, it looked pretty spectacular, some of the parts of it. There's a hotel that has a... It looks like it has a swim pool on the top that seems to be like three, three different yeah. buildings joined together by a swim pool at the top. So it's um it's it's quite impressive but with yeah it certainly seems more somewhere you come pre-season than perth doesn't it yeah it perth, you, perth wasn't an obvious place to go if you know nice, but it was a good place to go because the climate wasn't too hot um the the facilities at the wacker were great uh it seemed pretty relaxed in terms of um the the supporters being around the place obviously in in, in parts of asia it, it is a lot more full-on it is a lot more Intense. We've got like a stadium at the airport. Just hear thousands of screaming girls. girls. Not who, sure who they were screaming at. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the United team. I think when it's when it's just and, and it did seem like just mm. teenage I girls. I thought it was Neil screaming. Custis at first. They all, <laughs> all noticed him being carried through. Yeah. Uh, being carried through customs. No, but uh, absolutely no idea it was. But that's that's the kind of vibe you you get out in in Asian countries. And you saw it when United got to their, their hotel last night. There were a lot of fans. Very enthusiastic, waiting for them, and uh, I think it's a sellout for the game on, on Saturday as well against mm. against Inter. Yeah, we'll be going to the national stadium shortly after this podcast to uh, take in Solskjaer's pre-match press conference. Of course, we'll have all that on the MEN as well as our live blog. But uh, Samuel, what have you made the tour so far? This is the first time we've spoken on the podcast since the game against Leeds. Yeah, on Wednesday night, it was a game much more competitive mm. than the one against Perth Glory. But in the end, United did make it look comfortable, and I guess that's just the nature of it. It's a Premier League team against a Championship one. I think maybe the only pity was that the that there were eleven changes at half time again because United were were excellent to watch in, in the first half. There was there wasn't a single bad performance really. Uh, Pogba was was exceptional. Wan Bissaka was much better. He, I think he was quite reticent against Perth Glory, but he was more rampaging against against Leeds. Centre backs very good. It was just very entertaining. The the atmosphere had a bit of edge to it because there were so many Leeds fans as well, and, and it is a big rivalry, and the teams haven't played each other for such a long time. But there was a lot, a lot of positivity from from for Solskjaer to glean from it, and I think what, what does look quite interesting, I suppose, we'll have maybe final confirmation against Inter or against Tottenham is that that team he started in in, in the game against Perth. Um, you wouldn't be surprised if the bulk of those players, the majority, do start against Chelsea on August eleventh. In that, there definitely seems to be uh, a plan in playing Pogba in a deeper role, uh, but on the right, the yeah. uh, the midfield too, so that he's able to link up with Wan Bissaka. Asked Solskjaer after the game because obviously everyone wanted to know about Greenwood. He said, "Look, is there a chance he could start against Chelsea?" 
and he said, yeah, yeah. and I think the way he ended the question, uh, sorry, his answer, uh, there was probably about a five-second pause, and then he just said something like, if, if you play well, it's difficult not, yeah. not to pick you. So I think that that right wing slot is becoming Greenwood's to lose already. Um, we can't get ahead of ourselves. He's only played against Perth, Glory and Leeds, and he's got possibly four more matches to impress him between the Chelsea game as well. But that combination played down the right is is really exciting um, from from United fans' perspective. And I think it was in its infancy, obviously, against Perth, but they were perfecting it in the Leeds game. It did come off with Pogba finding one Bissaka who found Greenwood for that first goal. So that was just a wholly positive performance, both halves. There were some decent performances in the second half. Pereira and Chong uh, did pretty well, I thought. And if you're winning 4-0 in a pre-season game, it, it's always going to reflect well on you, despite the fact that, that Leeds players, um, speaking to their captain, Liam Cooper, this week, he was saying he'd been taking sleeping pills to combat jet lag. And he did, well, I mean, he was the one who kind of dozily gave away the penalty in the second half. Yeah, uh, on Mason Greenwood, like you say, he scores first senior goal for the club is the Falcon Relief, and it's probably a big positive that not only was he playing on the right, but he got into the central position. He obviously <clears> can still get in those areas, which was maybe something we worried about with him playing on the right-hand side, but a player who has really begun to justify the hype that, that surrounds him. Have you been surprised by just how good he's been in the first team? Not surprised. I think that sometimes there are players... It happens quite a lot where you will see a player in the youth team who... Reserve football is, is just beneath them immediately, but you have to serve your time in it. And he took to that like a duck to water, and he's been very impressive in his senior outing so far. I think in, well, just on this tour alone, he's hit the post, he scored a goal uh, on his first start for United against Cardiff. He hit the post, he was the best player. I think he's just a, he's a exceptional talent in that he is two-footed, I think, I think it was the MEN actually a couple of years ago um, we, we had the line from Clayton Blackmore who was talking about how there's this kid Greenwood who takes free kicks with one foot corners with the other foot penalties you know it, it, how he changes it up and it, it is a rarity to find a player that ambidextrous really uh, I know there's been talk that Daniel James is ambidextrous but I've not, not really seen, seen any a shred yeah. of evidence with a uh, of that whereas with Greenwood it's it's completely natural to him and United do lack uh, multifunctional forwards who can play across the front line they're trying I think he's actually possibly the most natural of all of them in that if you were to put him on the left I think it would be no bother at all to him and he is a goal scorer that's, that's kind of like been his forte in the junior teams and I, mean, I, I just don't envisage a scenario where He'll be sent out on loan next season, which I think is completely the right thing to do. He should be kept in the senior squad. He is going to get playing time. But it has got to the point now where it would be a bit of a shock if he's not even in the squad in that Chelsea game on August 11th, regardless of what happens between uh, now and the, the Milan friendly on August 3rd, I think it is. Yeah, it's a nice segue into the next question, which was going to be sort of based on what we've seen so far. It's, like you said, it's a, we've got the caveat that it is so far away and a lot could happen in the next month. But... Of the of the maybe the squad at the moment, who do you think would be that starting eleven for that opening day? Because there's still going to be maybe some uncertainties, not just the front line, but who partners Lindelof at the back. Obviously, that's got the transfer sort mm-hmm. of negotiations involved, but also central midfield. What would your lineup as of today be if United were to, to have to select it now to face Chelsea? It, it is signings permitting because they 
they do want a midfielder and a, a centre back, but if it's going to be Harry Maguire and Sean Longstaff, hypothetically, then Longstaff isn't going to be starting against Chelsea, uh, but Maguire is. So from the existing players, it would have to be De Gea, Wan-Bissaka, um, Lindelof, Bailly, Shaw, Pogba, um, I would say Greenwood, Rashford. I think that if they're going to stick with this formation, which is what Solskjaer's looking to do, then I think McTominay's in there at the moment. I think you'd say he ended last season as a first-teamer, so it's fair for him to start this season as a first-teamer. Uh, Daniel James has been... There's a He's a little bit erratic, but most wingers are. But yeah. I still think that we'll when, next, when and... you want him in your squad and you're trying to get him to hone his telepathy, then I certainly think that he's the left wing is the, is the role that is is his uh, to take at the moment because Marshall's playing up front, Sanchez is out of the picture, uh, Rashford's the main centre-forward, even though he doesn't see himself as a centre-forward. And then it's just a question of whether they go with three midfielders or whether they go with four forwards. And I think if you know, trying to trying to clearly change the way United are playing, so it's more... There's, there's more of a tempo to it and there's more incision and I think Mata and again I know we'll possibly <laughs> be in a bit too premature but uh, there are times when Mata does make United tick and he has in he certainly did in the Leeds game whether he does again on tour remains to be seen but I don't I wouldn't be surprised if this this kind of like framework Solskjaer has been planning out here does carry over to the Chelsea game because you have got to use these games however insignificant they are to look towards that first game and previous managers have done it and managers after Solskjaer will do it as well yeah like I said there on Daniel James it was a mixed bag really against Leeds because obviously we saw that that and the best bit was the run at the end wasn't it? we hit the post he came out of nowhere and he has got that frightening raw talent but still there was that one break on the left hand side where he sort of overplayed it and, and eventually tried to find matter at the back post mm. it was really underwhelming but uh do you still think that... I mean, you've mentioned that his left-wing play is the best place for him, but then that surely means Marshall and Rashford are never going to really link up again in a, in a front three. Uh, do you think that he'll be tried again on the right wing before the end of pre-season, Daniel James, or do you think Solskjaer's just sort of decided left-wing is where we're going to try it? I think he needs to try him there. Um, I mean, Chong popped up on the left the other night and was better there than he is on the right, whereas previously everybody would have said that the right wing was was his forte. I think, as as I said earlier, most wingers can be erratic. They they can mm. madden you with their decision making. They will get it wrong at times. Uh, and what Solskjaer's done with James already by starting him uh, on the left in, in both games, I think there's a clear intention that he sees him as the left winger. And in fairness to James, there will be times where he might not necessarily be playing well individually, but he's complementing the front line sufficiently enough to justify his place because as a collective there's there's an improvement there and with his pace with his overlaps with him offering uh, options on the counter-attack that's going to be invaluable I suppose that would be the one thing it's not really been touched upon because it's a friendly but United were playing an awful lot of counter-attack in football again which is has certainly become or it it was anyway past tense uh, their most effective tactic under Solskjaer until it became rumbled and they've not really had 
an alternative way of playing and I think it's been more about having a controlled style so that might be why Pogba is playing in a deeper role because he can do that as he showed with France and if you've got Mata who's an older head uh, who's very good at the ball with one touch, two touch football maybe that's he, he wants to have that option I think they need to master that because the yeah. amount of teams they come up against who have mastered a controlling style of football uh, they just blow United out of the water, whether it was City or Barcelona last April. United just couldn't hold a candle to them. and They've got to get up to speed sooner or later. Yeah, I guess that's why it's so exciting that the first couple of games of the season are so difficult, really. Imagine United will actually maybe do quite well in the fact that they'll be under the cosh from both sides of their face. But on Paul Pogba there, you mentioned that he's playing better. Uh, it's quite, quite evident he's looking really good in this new role on the right-hand side. Why is it that it's taken so long for him to sort of be, be unleashed there for United? Um... Well, I think there was a myth that he couldn't play in a midfield too, but I think that was at the start of his United career and Mourinho made the mistake there. The game that stands out was the City home defeat about three years ago now, the one where Ibrahimovic scored in... in the the, 2 one yeah. and De Bruyne. Yes, in that Pogba was played with Fellaini mm. and I think ahead of them were Mkhitaryan, Lingard, Rooney and There's Ibrahimovic. Yeah. It was just, it was too immobile, it was too cumbersome. And they got steamrolled up until Bravo uh, dropped that clanger that Ibrahimovic put away. So I think he's not him, not him personally, but there's just there's been this um, this myth that he can't play there. And then of course what happens is that he goes to the World Cup and he wins the World Cup playing in a midfield two, albeit with one of the best holding midfielders around in Conte, and France are a better team than, than United as well. Um, so he can he can switch it up, but as I said, I think there was there was a game at Everton the season before last or on New Year's Day where Graham Souness was even praising him, and that got a lot of traction because Pogba was playing on the left of a midfield three, and United won very impressively at Goodison. So I think he is he's probably a more versatile player than he's given credit for in that he can play in a two, he can play in a three. He's played as a playmaker sometimes as well, which didn't go down well. Uh, not not didn't go down well, but he, he just didn't do well yeah, in that role. No, much, it's it's it? that that's not him. But it just depends on the occasion. He can fizz between the two, I think, quite quite easily. But whether he stays there remains to be seen. There'll be games next season where United need to play a midfield three. They're not going to play four two three one against City. I think that would be. Um, that would be ill-advised. There, there are times where you have to be um, be quite respectful towards uh, an opponent, particularly a superior opponent like City are. So it's it's interesting that Solskjaer's using him there at the moment, and he has done well. Um, I think since Solskjaer gave that press conference last week, the whole it, it took the topic in a different direction, but it has diffused it mainly thanks to Pogba mm. playing well and that he's. He's created two goals effectively. You've not seen any bo- bad body language or anything like that. There was some outlets reported that the Lingard thing when they were on a walk, which was you know when you're when you're judging something off three seconds, unless it's someone being punched well, to the ground yeah. or if you're Jack Lack and violence, someone's annoying you, you're gonna react like that. Aren't well, you? if it's yeah. Jesse Lingard yeah, annoying yeah, you, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of um, it's it's kind <laughs> of forgivable in fairness. So he's Pogba's been absolutely fine. Um, the word of warning is that there's always something around the corner that could just 
But he he sounded a li- he didn't sound quite as bullish as he had yeah. uh, in recent weeks when he he spoke to the Times and I think it was Talk Sport. So again, if if you're not gonna if you've not got any bids for your player, he's he's not gonna go anywhere. And it's nineteenth of July now. Um, as, as I said, I think this my, my gut thing all along was that they would squeeze at least one more yeah. season out of Pogba. And the big player departure would be Lukaku, and, and that's become quite tedious and very protracted because there's a lot of them in an R in, from Inter's side, and it's um, I think Lukaku's camp is starting to become become quite uh, vexed by the whole thing as well. Yeah, we'll go into Lukaku after the break. The last question before we get there was: you mentioned Pogba played so well for France, and he's aided by the fact he's got such a good holding midfielder and Golo Kanté mm-hmm. there. But um, Solskjaer t- told us early in the week that um, he's expecting either Andres Pereira or Scott Tomlin maybe to, to fill that void he said that they should both expect to start around 20 games this season do you think either of them is actually suited to, to, to the holding role on the United squad because they both seem to be maybe a bit better going forward at times Andres Pereira particularly he's really good against Leeds playing with a bit more freedom to attack yeah. but still maybe some questions about how they both would would sort of anchor the midfield yeah the way I the way I frame that question when we when we spoke to Solskjaer was that you've lost Herrera and Fellaini. Yeah. Not lost, but they've gone. gone yeah. You've not replaced them. And being the eternal optimist that he is, he, he t- looks to within, he looks to academy players. In Pereira's case, uh, he should never be played at holding midfield again, I don't think, after yeah. what happened against Brighton last season, Burnley last season. He was a classic example of a player who does well in pre-season and then unfortunately is unable to keep it up as soon as the competitive season starts. But Tomney, there's still a bit of looking from outside in, there seems to be um, a bit of indecision as to whether he's using an attacking capacity or a defensive capacity. Solskjaer did say earlier in the year he was, before McTominay got back yeah. into the team, that he was looking to play him in an attacking role. Um, which I think a lot of people kind of scoffed at because he just got a new contract and he wasn't playing and people wondering what what are they doing? You know, Celtic wanted him on loan in January. Uh, but Did Sunderland want him the summer? Some, uh, his name was featured on, on Sunderland's Netflix documentary <laughs> as a possible board. yeah possible addition. I think that was at the start of the season they got relegated, relegated to, yeah, to to yeah. League One. So I mean, it's a long way to come from uh, Pereira was at Granada a few years mm. ago. McTominay was on Sunderland's radar a couple of years ago to then be elevated into the first team. I can definitely see them starting at least 20 games each because look at the alternatives. Matic, who even in pre-season where pretty much everyone is playing well, just looks as cumbersome and as pedestrian as ever before. And I think with Matic, he does he does strike as a player who, you know, that, that option of an additional year on his contract might, might be left dormant there um, at this rate. Fred has come out here now, having got married and taken a week or so off so training. good he did it twice yeah 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 it's utterly confusing <laughs> um from i don't think they are acceptable replacements for herrera and i think united the fact they want a midfielder indicates that they want an alternative option so i was saying i think earlier this week or last week in in perth that we could do with a brian robson style player well sean longstaff is not that um but maybe he's talking is, about character. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it seems like a, a Brian Robson player does feel like it's it's a player from a bygone era yeah. in, in many ways, but 
there's there doesn't seem to be a candidate from within to um to occupy that role apart from possibly Pogba but he wants to be elsewhere mm-hmm. let's let's face facts and um in terms of their market activity or inactivity there's no real Robson esque player on the horizon that's that's about to come in so McTominay and Pereira will get games but I still have my still have my doubts that they're at the required level United yeah. are striving to reach in order to become a force to be reckoned with again I guess they're Europa League level which will suit the next season probably but <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it for the first half of the podcast we're going to leave you this teaser Samuel let's see how good your knowledge is on right. this one uh, United are back here in Singapore 18 years since they played the Singapore League 11 in pre-season United won 8-1 that day <laughs> and you're going to name all the goal Jesus. scorers after the break Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester United News. Just before the break, I left Samuel with the enviable teaser of naming the goal scorers when United beat the Singapore League All Stars in 2001. It was a game where Fabian Barthez came off the bench to yeah. replace Ryan Giggs at left wing. United won 8 1. Singapore All Stars actually drew level for a portion of the game just before half time. They made it 1 all. I was in Holiday in Crete. Well, he was. Yeah, I remember buying the paper out in Crete and seeing the picture of Barthez. Were you jealous you weren't there? Uh, no, I was Crete. Crete is lovely. I, I, I think recommend I it. was. Where was I? I'm pretty sure I was in Gran Canaria, one of those Spanish islands where newspapers are accessible. Yeah, and you can, I yeah. just I said, it seems to have this vision of that that, that white United kit with the yes, navy the reverse. Blue. I think it was the reversible <clears throat> on the um, was it gold on the yeah, centenary one. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing a, who was it? I remember going to when United, when United played Wrexham in pre-season. I remember seeing someone <laughs> with a that the gold long sleeve with Chadwick on the back. I'm just thinking. That's one of the classic football shirts, yeah, I that, think. Yeah. That's on eBay right now, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, United won 8 1. There were six different goal scorers. Two players grabbed a brace. Who is first up? Van Nistelrooy. Rude Van Nistelrooy scored one in United that night. Giggs. Ryan Giggs did not score. York. Dwight York scored two. Uh, Cole. Did not score. Uh, Beckham. Scored a free kick, which was deflected. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the, 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 you've been on YouTube watching this. I, uh, I read the match book from Skulls. Skulls scored one, and now we've got someone who scored a brace and someone who scored as well. Keane, no. Uh, Solskjaer, brace for Solskjaer, and the last one. This is the toughest one as well. So is it, is it one more? Yeah. Um, Unless my maths is. Yep. Seven. Irwin, no, but same similar position. Phil Neville. Phil Neville. Wow. Just like that. Can't teach that sort of talent. No, you we, cannot. We'll see just how many United score this weekend when they face into mine. Well, I don't think it'll be eight. And no. I'd be surprised if Solskjaer scores two. But uh, we're going to see Solskjaer late this afternoon. And Antonio Conte speaking right mm. after him as well at the same place, the National Stadium in Singapore. Romelu Lukaku is surely going to be high on the agenda today, Samuel. Yes. Well, he said last week that he would have some news for us this week. And there has been... With two days left of the week, no news on Lukaku other than he conveniently missed a game again. And we're kind of expecting when the team drops tomorrow night uh, at the stadium for his name to be conspicuous by his absence again. Uh, it was, I think it was six years ago when you had Rooney, Suarez and Bale all agitating uh, to leave their clubs. All of them were very conveniently injured at the same time. So... It, it is becoming very tedious in that you know the player wants to go, you know Inter want the player, you know United are prepared to sell the player, yet the onus has got to be on Inter because look, 
however bad Lukaku was last season, I don't think bad is overstating it. He, he missed some really, really yeah. easy chances and cost United an awful lot of points. Uh, under Solskjaer and Mourinho, I think under Solskjaer, you think of that Arsenal game, which kind of was the start of where mm. the rot set in. And of course, in. there was that um, infamous uh, tri- warm-up video in front of the Stratford end. Was it Champions League and that sort of thing? Or Carabao Cup when he was having those shots? Remember they oh, was yes. going yeah. almost yeah. down the tunnel? Yes. And just looked out of place. So, he had a bad season, but he's 26. Um, he he is a good goal scorer. His goal scoring record is still impressive at United and other clubs. And he's a top scorer for Belgium. Uh, he's won third place at the World Cup. He's got three years left in his contract. Inter want him. Conte has a history of trying to sign him with Chelsea and, and with Juventus as well. So it's fair that United, two years on from paying Everton £75 million for him, should want to recoup that for a striker who's who's coveted by Inter. So I mean, I think there was a feeling that Inter would have quite a lot of money to spend this summer, but yeah. clearly not. I mean, I think people just thought myself included <laughs> Chinese backing and all this talk about trying to end Juventus's uh, monopoly in, in Italy that they'd, they'd get their act together but they are taken an awful long time to try and sort something out with this and they've had an awfully long time to um, to get things going as well to actually put an acceptable bid in the sporting director was in London last week um, I mean it would be fascinating to actually do a piece with one of these sporting directors or an executive at a club where you just shadow them during this time of year and yeah. you you, deter, you you can actually understand what happens between a bid being yeah. put in, rejected, and what you do between the two weeks or however long it is when you might go in for them again. United bid for Harry Maguire over two weeks ago, so... I'd be fascinated to know exactly what they have been doing in the interim because and the sort of conversations they have as well. Like, what, how do you discuss yeah. what your limit? Well, is what's your because... what's your daily schedule? Yeah. Do you prioritise a meeting with uh, the Japanese noodle mm-hmm. partner or the tyre guys? Or you know, how, how does it go? Do you take yeah. a holiday, which apparently one United executive has has done recently? So um, it, it 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 would be fascinating to know the the nuances of it. Um, because you hear these ridiculous phrases like, I mean, I, I've probably used it in copy oh, at one course. point or another, but preparing a bit yeah. and things like that. Uh, but that, I think that's that's a definite no-no for me uh, these days. And that even when I see that headline somewhere, I just think, oh, I Christ's well, sake, yeah. please I, don't. I apologise to everyone who's ever had to read. Yes, yeah, what I put out. Yeah, preparing a bit, but um, so. Yeah, um, Lukaku teased us last week and maybe that's all he was doing, just teasing us because it's been barren this week on on Lukaku. And I don't think many United fans are that that bothered about him, to be honest, because he's he's not been playing for them. Uh, He wants to leave. He wasn't very good last season, so it's not like Pogba, who, as as polarising as he can be, um, is is much more of an asset. And the the, the damage of, of losing him would be so much more grave than as opposed to losing Lukaku even though Lukaku is a more reliable goal scorer than someone like Rashford so if this move for Lukaku doesn't materialise like you said the ball really is sort of an inter's court that United want money for him so you've got to pay you've got yeah. to pay the fee but if it wasn't to materialise and Lukaku does end up staying at, at United obviously you've seen Marshall Rashford both playing as number nines Lukaku's game time might be a bit more limited next season but do you think there still is an opportunity for him to be, 
sort of to be a success at the club and for him to sort of transform the, the opinion of him? I'm not sure about a success at the club because he'd, he'd probably want to leave next year and I think it's pretty clear that um, he's not happy under Solskjaer under the current regime whereas he was happy under Mourinho to the point that he was put up as the player uh, for the pre-match press conference against Juventus in October with the intention of knocking down speculation that he wanted to move to Italy because he didn't but he started 15 out of 29 games under Solskjaer which is quite quite strikingly low for a £75 million striker what I was told is that Lukaku doesn't feel important anymore um, his, his body's with United but his mind is, is, is elsewhere so obviously if, if they're I think saddled is probably too, too strong a word but if they do end up keeping him they can still make I, th- I can still see Solskjaer getting some use out of him you saw at Arsenal in the Cup last season when he played on the right did very well for a couple of goals he had that purple patch where he scored six in three in very, very important games against Palace, Southampton and PSG. I think that night at PSG, you thought it could be a defining moment for him because it was Lukaku scoring in a hell of a big game. But unfortunately for him, that weekend he goes to Arsenal and he has two very presentable opportunities and he doesn't take them. So uh, if they keep him, I think Solskjaer will be reasonably content because he's got a, an established uh, attacking option if he's sold, then the Solskjaer's promise us uh, they'll be replacing him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that... And the, and the way he said replace, I wonder if he now means mm-hmm. like... Someone else will just take his put In, in the team. But yeah. the, way, when, the way he delivered it to us, it was said with someone who was referring to an external replacement. But yeah. when you see it in black and white, and if he's put in that spot where they can't get a replacement for Lukaku, he could... Be, yeah. Twist it and say that well, you know, Mason's come in, blah blah blah. But I think it's pretty clear that they'd want to sign someone. Yeah, they can do. Um, we'll get on to to that. Well, we'll get on to it now. Transfer later. <laughs> so, speaking, it was going to be a last question, but we'll squeeze it in now. Um, in terms of transfer latest, you've said that uh, Maguire and Longs have still two targets at the club that are maybe working on. We're not sure. Maybe there is a bid incoming. Who knows? Maybe they're preparing one. But. Uh, what is the latest on both of those? And do you do you expect? I mean, it's difficult in, in the position to say if you expect them to go through. But do you believe United will sign one of the two, maybe before the end of the transfer window? I could see Maguire going down to the wire, and United eventually just stumping up yeah. the the money and finding a, an arrangement with Leicester. Equally, I could see it not happening. But United are in a position now where, just like last year, the manager has pretty much said wants two more players if for the second successive summer they would not to get two more any of those players yeah. um, it's it's going to be end of days again and I think United are lucky in that they've got someone who is more optimistic in, in, in managing them in Solskjaer maybe too optimistic I think yeah. Mourinho was too negative last summer on the tour um, they've, Solskjaer is too positive this summer so they're not feeling it as much, even though when you when you look at the situation at United, you look at the squad, um, the lack of signings, the lack of sales, they're not in a great position. But because they've had a pretty good pre-season so far, the mood's good and the mood in the squad is good, as we've seen in training. Um, it doesn't feel fraught at all. It feels pretty relaxed given uh, the situation they're in. 
but they they do need a defender. They do need a midfielder at the very least. Um, it, it doesn't look like they're going to sign a right winger unless they sell someone. I mean, Solskjaer has already said that if if a centre back does come in, which is what they want to happen, something's got to give to someone sold there, uh, which is good. That's the way they should operate. But they're their own worst enemies in that sense because they've given Jones, Smalling, and Rojo new contracts over the last and eighteen it's months. Side, isn't it? It's very difficult to keep, uh, not keep them. It's very easy to <laughs> keep them. Uh, it's very difficult to sell them. So, yeah, the, the things are still going on, and they've they've preached um, calm quite a number of times now in the transfer window. But I think, given the stage we're at now, where we're into the last three weeks of the window, um, if you told United fans before it opened that they'd have they'd have two signings by now, I think they'd be despairing at it. Even though there is time, it's, it's, it's not the ideal. Two signings doing quite quickly in regards to it, all, weren't they? Like, was it three, four weeks? Well, they both signed in June, both signed before pre-season training started, so you think, fair enough, that's that's good, good going. Start, that's but it's the fact there's been that gap now between everything else. Yeah, they, they were both brought in relatively early, um, and there are nuances to transfers, and it's, it's difficult. But to, to be honest, I mean, from, from our perspective working out here, I know we've had a game to cover this week, but there's not been an awful lot from us guys, you know, transfer-wise to report uh, that's just the, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it's just not. It's much. it's been a very quiet week to the point where even um, even Sky Sports are struggling to put United high up on their on their mm. news list at the moment. I think one of the theories was that well, Longstaff's in China, um, Newcastle are in China playing, uh, getting ready for a game. I think tomorrow night, so maybe they could arrange it out there. Well, unfortunately, Newcastle leave tomorrow night, and United don't arrive in China until the start of next week. And last we heard, United were preparing to offer £20 million for him and then Newcastle said well actually we want £50 million so it would be quite drastic to get him signed and sealed in China when it was only last week or the week before that um, Newcastle were demanding £50 million for him Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how that all develops. In terms of the two signs they've got already then, Dan James and Juan Bissaka you mentioned that maybe fans are starting to get a bit agitated in the fact there's not more movement. Do you think United could return to the top four with those two that only additions this summer or do you think another player is required if they really are to turn themselves back into Champions League qualification contenders do you think there's been enough change this summer for United to have improved from last year um, I think it's possible but it's it would be by virtue of a couple of other clubs being All poorer yeah. uh, Lampard, Chelsea, I could see that going two ways. I could see them having a really good, buoyant season to build on, despite not being able to sign players, because he he is going to make the most of the academy players. They've got Loftus-Cheek tied down a new contract. It wouldn't surprise me if Hudson-Odoi stays. Um, but even though they've lost Hazard, but they have lost Hazard, so you look at that and you think, OK, they're there for the taking, To so we should really be looking to supplant them. Arsenal are just a bit of a mess. I think towards the end of last season, whoever out of Arsenal when United finished below the other should have been embarrassed because they were both complete, complete, sh- a complete shambles. And the way Arsenal are operating in the market and the um, difficulties they're encountering, it doesn't bode well for the upcoming season either. So I wouldn't be surprised if United were to get in the top four, but it would 
it would feel as though it's by default of a couple of other yeah. clubs not being up to speed. Um, there, there is there is talent in that United squad, but it's it's a it's a bloated squad that's got an awful lot of fat that needs cutting away. And if there are injuries to key players, the it's it's still a case of quantity over quality. I mean, if if Lindelof gets injured and you don't sign a centre back, then it's okay. Here comes Chris Smalling, or yeah. here comes Phil Jones. In Roll again. the dice. See who's fit this week. Luke Shaw's injured at the moment, and Marcus Rojo is the left back. Um, that's that's Europa League fodder. You you belong in the Europa League if you're operating like that. So it's um it's probably still too early to come. Well, it's definitely too early to make those pre-season Premier League predictions about you know, where yeah. teams are going to finish but I think if you were to if you ask me at the moment I'd probably say fifth for the new season but the transfer window is still open and we're two what a third of the way into United's pre-season um, schedule as well yeah, we'll see how that all develops um, you mentioned earlier that the three players joining up with the United squad we've always seen that Darmian and Matt, um, Matteo and Darmian and Fred <laughs> all three of them um, are here in Singapore I'm not sure and Dean Henderson. Dean Henderson is here but he's not posted on social media no no well the, the weird thing about Solskjaer in his explanation for him is that he seemed uncertain whether he should be even bringing him out here yeah. given well, the situation he's in here, got four keepers I know De Gea was unwell in the week and Lee Grant lest we forget uh, has also been injured for the first couple of games but it does seem a bit needless to have Henderson out here but ultimately he's not a Sheffield United player at the moment he's not on loan he's a paid up employee of Manchester United and if he's told to come the pre-season tour he he should do um, Darmian I mean they could have saved some some money just leaving him behind in, in England because he's, no one cares it's, it's embarrassing he's still a United player a year on they still can't sell him they could have released him this summer but trigger that extension in his contract so they, they, they risk having egg on their face there because if they don't sell him in the summer um, then they've wasted all that money yeah, in, in wages just to keep him. Fred, I think it's it was, it was pretty comical how how he you know how presumptuous he was that he'd be in the Copper America squad so that he had his wedding uh, booked for for the the week after it ended and all that's happened is that he's missed what best part of two weeks pre season training with United so he's got a. Um, He's got a real uphill task if he's to start the season. And I know there were there was the odd game he played well in last season, like PSG in Barcelona, but you could count on one hand the amount of times he actually played well. So he's he's really got to hit the ground running. Um, and given that he only arrived this week, it seems like it would be a bit much for him uh, to get into the team to, to play against Inter in Singapore. So you may be looking at the second half of their... Um, their friendly fixture schedule uh, against Tottenham, uh, Christiansund and, and AC Milan that he's going to feature in. Yeah, um, you mentioned the game against Inter this weekend. It's said to be as one of the toughest tests of pre-season, not only the opposition, but the heat as well. It's going to be a real step up from what we saw on Wednesday night against Leeds United, isn't it? It's going to be much more difficult for United to maybe make a good impression, but a good got a sort of benchmark for Solskjaer to see just how far a side have developed yeah, I mean the the competitiveness of it might might not be anything like the Leeds game because one Leeds versus United there's always a bit of an edge to it, but also the heat out here. So it might be one of those games where um, one team is more acclimatised than than the other. 
Um, I say acclimatised, United have only arrived here last night, but United, I think, have been in pre-season longer than Inter, and they might be the sharper, the fitter of, of the teams, even though they've been training in much cooler conditions in, in Perth, uh, rather than here, where it's, I think it's about to hit 33 degrees or something like that. So it, it, the, the upside is they're coming up against better players, um, and... If you're coming up against better players, that's that's what you want to be doing in pre-season because that's that those games offer a more reliable gauge of of where you're at and whether fans should be as optimistic about the new season as as they have been this week because when you beat Leeds four 0 and you play as well as United did, I think fans are quite entitled to be quite upbeat about what's what's to come. But it's still very early days. We shall see what happens. Samuel and I will be at the press conference with Solskjaer this afternoon. Don't know when his podcast is going out, so we won't plug it too much <laughs> for that. But uh, of course, we'll have all the coverage on the Manchester News. And we'll be back on Saturday as well for all the live coverage. United you know, take on Inter Milan in their third pre-season f- fixture here from Singapore. Please do make sure to leave a like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Samuel, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back next week. See you again next time.